Welcome back to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. My name is Donna Harris-Richards, L-I-C-S-W-C-S-T. I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker and certified sex therapist doing sex and couples therapy. Here once again with my wonderful Vicki, my wonderful Vicki, who's my wonderful producer and my wonderful <laughs> Vicki. How are you? Hey! That's me. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, good. That's Brandon lovely. just brought me a sandwich. <laughs> Oh, woo, woo. Shout out to Brandon. <laughs> is that Brandon, your fiance? That is my fiance. He made a nice sandwich for me. I'm very appreciative. May I ask what's in the sandwich? I don't actually know. <laughs> oh, you're um, going to find out. Looks like buffalo chicken and cheese and spinach with a little bit of mustard. <laughs> oh, Brandon rocks. <laughs> Yeah, Brandon. All right. How are you, Donna? uh, I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to this podcast, which is going to be on Stuck Stan, Low Desire Man. Um, And yeah, we're talking about hypoactive sexual desire disorder for men and women. Last time we did women, this time we're doing men. Um, But aside from that, I'm, you know, I'm doing great. I I really am doing great. I'm, I'm loving this Beautiful weather today. It's sunny and lovely. Um, And uh, I'm taking a little time off. I need a break. Oh, what are you doing on your time off? Well, we are piling in the car and going to our lovely cabin by the lake in Maine. That'll be nice. Yeah. So we're taking absolutely everything we need with us. Food, rain gear bedding, you name it, because once we get there, we ain't leaving. <laughs> when? Are, how long are you going to be up there? Just five days. That'd be nice. Yeah, actually four. We're going to spend, actually, this is something I never do. We're going to spend one day getting ready. I mean, that is not my style. I am like, <laughs> finish work, close the drawer, run out the door to the airport. You know, I, I don't waste I'm no a big time. pack the morning of a trip kind of person. Are you? Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I make lists, but yeah. I very rarely use them. <laughs> and is so. that because you, you just really want to use the most of your time while you're home and then and then just get to that vacation? Yeah, it depends. Or there's a lot of things that I'll take with me that I use every day anyway. So I'm like, Meh. I'll just okay. do it right before I go. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And how are you at packing? Are you are you good at the editing part or you just take everything with you? I've gotten better. So now I try to pack by outfit as opposed to just packing different pieces. I'm like, well, can I wear this with multiple things? If no, unless it's for an event or something, I don't bring it. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Good. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I'm old um, and I've I've, I've spent my life trying to get better at packing. (laughs) I feel like that's a skill that you can always you can always work on. Packing is a very, you know. Yeah. It's one of those weird skills. I don't know. <laughs> My dad will pack like one small backpack for a week long trip, <laughs> like a small bag. And I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a real strength of men in general, I would say. Um, you know, certainly cisgender heterosexual men. Uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah. My husband, same thing. He's really good at that. And, you know, I'm Imelda Marcos. I need to have 700 pairs of shoes. <laughs> And I feel just so weird with only two. 
for a week. <laughs> but in the end, you know what happens. In the end, it's kind of like... the same two things. <laughs> well, it's kind of like sex. You know, you go, oh, God, I really, really have to have sex. Like, do I really have to not take all those shoes? But then once you do it, you're so glad you did. Once I it's take those... Too. Those two pairs of shoes, I'm, I'm really glad I did. But the thought yeah. of it gets me in big trouble. <laughs> I need 700 pairs of shoes in my mind. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So let's, <laughs> should we get to Stuck Stan and our low let's desire talk about man? our friend Stan. All right. Well, first, I'd like to state my mission. May I? Absolutely. You know, I, I realized that the mission is important to talk about. So my mission is to help people embrace sex positive thinking into daily life for optimal health, which includes sexual health. You know, we go for annual mammograms, pelvic exams and prostate exams for physical sexual health. So why not do a checkup on how we think about the emotional and mental health aspects of sexual health to increase pleasure, mm -hmm. play and passion in our lives? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, in light of that and, and um, you know, to help sort of uh, get that going, I, I just want folks to first I want to normalize once again, like we did last time that, you know, uh, low desire is experienced by men as often as it is by women. So 50% of the time it's men, 50% of the time it's women. Um, and, you know, couples who engage sexually are actually the most engaged in the relationship. So once again, just like we did last time, Vicki, with that lovely 4D wheel developed by Gina Ogden, who's an award-winning sex therapist, family therapist, and PhD, Dr. Ogden, um, you know, she helps us explore uh, where we are sexually. Um, and, and she lets us get curious versus furious with ourselves and our partners. Um, and some of this work is also based on archetypal work by Chelsea Wakefield, uh, and she's a PhD, LCSW, uh, certified sex therapist and Jungian therapist. Um, so, so the 4D idea is this idea that we can um, kind of assess before, during, and after sex or intimacy um, for parts of who we are as people. So, you know, we are, we have our mental aspect of you know, how we think about sex, the heart aspect, how we feel about it, the body aspect, what the experience is in, the, in our physical sense, and then the spiritual or the soul aspect. Um, and, you know, we talked last time uh, about the same idea for women that there are these messages that we get growing up. There are messages we get uh, because maybe we've had some small traumas, bigger traumas, maybe we've grown up uh, with religion in our lives, maybe our families give us messages to protect us. So, uh, you know, we, I want guys to go from being Clueless Clyde to Dashing Dan. So Clueless Clyde is, is you know, the guy who, or, or Stuck Stan, is the guy who might have a, neg a sex negative story, a shame about his sexuality. And I, mm. and I want him go, to go to becoming um, more like a stuck stan or stuck steve he might go from being let's say he's stuck steve to steve mcqueen yeah do you remember steve mcqueen <laughs> he was kind of like this hot confident dude you know competent dude right so i want to help men look at some of the messages they got growing up like uh you know masturbation is a sin or you know sex is dirty you know when i first started doing this work and i would hear men say that they thought of sex as dirty I found that surprising, um, but it is a really big thing. And so 
I think men can have guilt about their sexual desire and their carnal fantasies. You know, sometimes there are, you know, men are taking antidepressants or SSRIs to kind of push down their sense of aliveness or desire. Um, and the 4D wheel or the way that we explore emotionality, um, the mind aspect, heart and soul is a way of beginning to reframe, you know, to be more sex positive versus sex negative. Um, so a lot of times I hear complaints from clients or their partners, from male clients or their partners, um, where they're uh, watching porn and that's showing up as a problem in the relationship. Um, and so I want to help them move through that. I want to help them to start to connect with themselves and their partners Um you know, Gina Ogden has this story about, uh, let's see, um, Stuck Stan. He's this army lieutenant guy in his early, early 30s with erectile problems. Um, he doesn't want to take Viagra. He has a background of some abuse. He's got some substance abuse in his history. Um, and he has to work fast in therapy because he's being transferred in a couple of months. And he can't do couples therapy. Because uh, his fiance lives out of town. So he's got sort of some major issues around anxiety, low self-esteem. Um, there's a lack of sex education. This is part of the problem with porn. Um, porn isn't bad in and of itself, as long as everybody connected to it is consenting. Um, the problem with porn is it sets up uh, expectations that are not realistic mm. uh, for, for men um, and how they do their sex with their women. If right. we're talking about a cisgender heterosexual couple. Um, so any questions so far? No. Okay. I think, do you think um, with porn, the more somebody watches porn, it might affect the mind part of the wheel at all? If it's mm -hmm. like a siloed at all? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So how, how it might affect the mind part of the wheel, for example... With Stuck Stan over here, um, is that, uh, you know, he's an army guy, right? So he sees himself as very strong. So when he starts to worry uh, that he might not be able to get an erection, um, now he's in this place of not feeling so confident, uh, feeling... Uh, well, especially in this particular guy, right? He doesn't see his fiance very often because she lives out of town. So there's more pressure on him to perform. Mm -hmm. And in porn, they're always performing. That's their job. <laughs> That's their job. Exactly. Uh. They're, getting, they're getting paid. Um, yeah. So even, but see, even then, even if they have erectile issues, you know, they get to cut and then like start again. <laughs> right for for our, our wonderful stuck stan you know he, he he's not feeling so likely to yell cut because he's worried if he yells cut you know she's not gonna be happy right um, and sometimes she's not happy you know sometimes i am working with cisgender heterosexual couples where um she's not happy uh because now she's thinking he's not getting an erection because of her Right. She'll be thinking, am I not turning him on? Am I not sexy enough? Then that disrupts her, her mind section of the 4D wheel. That is correct. That's right. Yeah. And, th and that's going to play into all her body shame issues and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, so absolutely. Um, 
you know, I, so I want to ask um, Stan, you know, are, are you what what's going on when you're thinking about intimacy and sex with your lovely? Right. Uh, we, we can rate it. We can, you know, uh, before sex, during sex, after sex, you know, is he a zero or one? Is he uh, a little or none? Is he a three or four? You know, if, if zero or one is lowest desire, if 10 is highest um, where is he on that on that scale? Is you know again Likert scale a little, some a lot? Um, is he thinking about intimacy and sex with his partner? If he's not, I'm going to encourage him to set up dates. You know, time for intimacy. Once again, this sort of really interesting idea that how we even think about sex is important because I think a lot of people think about sex as intercourse and they want to check off that box or penetrative sex if I'm dealing with two women you know maybe they're thinking about sex in a certain way checking off the box you know we have to use our toys and and maybe do some penetration with fingers or dildos etc and it really doesn't have to be that it can just be being together and touching skin to skin contact and pleasure being pleasure oriented rather than goal oriented, right? So, so back to Stuck Stan and men, you know, is he thinking about um, what she's going to wear or what positions they're going to take? Or, you know, is he having worries about his erection, right? A performance anxiety. Men often worry, you know, am I going to be able to do this right for her? Am I pleasing her? When we're, when folks are watching porn or they're masturbating, um, there's just less anxiety because your partner's not in the room, right? You have more control over how your erection and conclusion uh, coming to orgasm goes. It's quicker, it's easier. There's just not so many moving parts. I do talk with men about erotic fantasies. Lots of men have clear erotic fantasies. That's great. Um, sometimes women have them, you know. Lots of times they don't. Uh, so what I find so lovely about men in general is that they really want things to go well for their partner. Um, and that's great. The problem is they're not focusing on their own pleasure when that's happening. Mm. And this is the thing that raises anxiety, impairs, therefore brings up muscle tension, impairs blood flow. And then, you know, it leads to the problem of coming into therapy. What's wrong with me? And, you know, once again, there's nothing wrong. It's that you might be getting into this double trouble thinking, right? So the event happens. Um, I have another client who, uh, was older. He was in his, you know, somewhere between let's, I'm going to call it 45 and 65. Um, and he had an incident where he was having a lot of family pressure, uh, with, uh, children, etc. And it showed up in bed where he just failed to get an erection. And once again, his lovely partner of nine years, uh, started to worry that it was about her and they, <laughs> Speaking of vacation, they were on their way to vacation, driving vacation to Vermont or I forget where, Maine. And uh, they hit traffic and they were forced to stay in the car for two hours. <laughs> and they talked through everything. And I have not seen this client in quite some time. Because it's, it's crazy how sometimes being in a car, I find like when I'm having a hard time talking about something, being in a car is probably the easiest place for me to talk about it because there's other things for me to look at or focus on. Or if I'm the one driving, I can look ahead, but still say my piece. And it's just that 
you know, mm. sometimes traffic is a good thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and in this particular story, what ended up happening, and I've heard this from couples before, is that it wasn't more sex that led to better sex. It was talking that led yeah. to better sex. And not even that more sex or frequency of sex is the goal. It's that the connection is the thing. So he was able to explain to her, look, this is really not about you, honey. This is about the pressure that I'm feeling with my children. Um, and she somehow figured out, and I, I actually suggested that he say to her, please stop worrying about yourself as the problem. It, I guarantee you this has nothing to do with you. And I guess she took that on because she never was willing to come to couples. She just was, it was too, she just could she didn't want to do it. And so I was able to work with him alone to help him and to help him help her. And, you know, I guess they had their, they're in there happily ever after. Or they're sexily ever after, because <laughs> I haven't heard from him. And that I think that means that's a good thing. And I think, you know, with to direct it back to that 4D wheel, when you have one thing that is a little disjointed from the rest of the wheel, you never. I think it's interesting when the solution you think might be the solution ends up not being the solution and it's a different solution. And it it's a great way to just show that there's different avenues to get you where you're going and as long as you're being open and talking about them and, okay. you know, I feel like everything that we discuss talking is always the root of one of the best ways to fix anything. Um, yeah. Because, you know, if you qu quiet your mind, then you let your heart open up, you let your body open up, you let your spirit open up and one thing can just kind of infiltrate into the rest of them. Yeah. And if you quiet your mind, you can externalize your anxiety and this is a mm. really this is a really important point this will get us to maybe to the heart right? <laughs> we, we're on the mind and now let's go to the heart right so when we start to feel anxiety what happens typically we feel our heart pounding heart racing we feel worse sometimes mm. but as i often will say to my couples things might start to feel worse before it gets better because your anxiety is normal remember mona fishbane you know that amygdala the fight or flight response. This this is the idea of de-shaming problems for couples. You know, your amygdala is going to ramp up, but that's okay. Again, that's everything working well. Um, and then like to your point, Vicki, about, you know, get getting in that car and steering the wheel to where we want to go. So our prefrontal cortex does that. And if we understand that the 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 uh the heightened anxiety is just something that we can uh, accept, start to accept um, that, yes, we're going to feel our heart beating, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, we're alive, right? So so I want to explore with my male clients, where is your heart? I mean, are you feeling shame? Are you feeling embarrassment? Um, and then, you know, how often are you feeling or imagining intimacy with your partner again? You know, are you uh, thinking about vacation sex, this comes up for men a lot. They often will say that sex goes better on vacation. Well, <laughs> gee, I wonder why, <laughs> you know, you know, you don't have the pressures of the workaday world. You're there with your, you know, lovely partner and you're, you know, looking, maybe looking out over at the beach and what you're going to be eating later and all that great stuff. So, you know, how can we get our, our hearts um, to a place where they accept that anxiety is okay, it's normal. And, you know, let's figure out 
what can help us feel more relaxed, which leads us to the body, right? So feeling more relaxed can happen in the mind and in the heart and also in the body. So, you know, I want to know how often are you feeling kind of sexual appetite or or physical urges for sex? You know, this leads to frequency. It leads to conversations about um, desire. So people will talk about if they want greater frequency of sex, but also men will say, I don't really care about the sex. I want to feel desired by my wife or my partner. I at least want her to show interest. You know, when I grab her around the waist or I, you know, look in her eyes and say, mm-hmm, how about later? And she goes, oh, please. You know, that's that makes a person feel bad. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, it's like womp, 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 you know, so. You know, and then, you know, sex toys and and things like that. How often do you think about maybe using toys or or vibrators for your partner, uh, lubricant, arousal creams? Um, So on that note, uh, a great lubricant that you can introduce for your partner if lubrication is an issue is Uber Lube. You know, I'm a big Uber Lube fan. Looks like a perfume bottle. It's extremely subtle. Uh, no one would know what it is if it's right there in your bedroom. Uh, and it's silicone based, so it's extremely safe. It feels like the real deal. It feels like natural lubrication. Um, and so that's great. Uh, the best vibrators are from smittenkittenonline.com. They are, again, 100% silicone based medical grade, uh, sorry, medical grade and silicone based vibrators. Uh, so they're really excellent. There's no toxic materials. And then there's also, you know, o- OMG Yes, which is the lovely uh, online educational tool. Uh, OMG Yes is, focuses on the science of women's sexual pleasure. So if you guys are interested in knowing about women's complicated sexual functioning, because they have so many beautiful nerve endings everywhere, take a look or women take a look. It's great. And then, you know, the fourth part of that wheel is the idea of spirituality or the soul. You know, how how often are you focused on connecting with your partner intimately, sexually, you know, whatever, whatever spirituality or soul means to my clients. I want to explore whether that's God or the universe or gratitude or connection. Um, it's all it's all wonderful stuff to talk about and explore. Do you find now I'm going to say something that some people might not like very much, but that's okay. It's just a question. Do you find that men have a harder time with connecting to something spiritually? Because I feel, you know, when I hear things in my own circle of humans, um, I hear a lot of the girls, my girlfriends saying, you know, like, I feel like my energy is just off or, you know, this really connected with me and this part of myself but I never really hear that from the guys and even I don't know if that's just because women talk about that thing kind of thing more or guys don't necessarily like to talk about that thing more but how would you suggest that you know if a guy is struggling with um you know the spiritual part of their wheel they approach that with Mm. their partner not just my own personal experience you know yeah I mean that's a great question um yeah i mean i i I might encourage her to explore with him you know what are your thoughts about spirituality the universe god faith uh what what are what have some of your thoughts been over time 
um, you know, they can start at the beginning. You know, do they have a connection to church or faith or spirituality? How were they raised in their family of origin? Uh, you know, like that. I mean, just ask them. And, you know, they may say, gee, I don't know. Or they may say, well, you know, it's interesting you asked that because I haven't thought about that in a long time. I was raised in, uh, you know, the Catholic Church and here are some of the things that are striking that I remember about my childhood in the Catholic Church or in, in synagogue or whatever it might be. I would say start a conversation, you know, and if they don't answer you in the moment, uh, try not to judge that. Some of the most creative people uh, don't have the fastest processing. You know, I am a really fast processor, and my husband is an artist. And uh, plug plug to Ken Richards out there, artist, artistkenrichards.com. Um, and he, oftentimes when we're talking, you know, he doesn't answer me as quickly as I answer him. And because I now know that creative folks don't have as fast a processing, I don't fault him for that or blame him for that. I have, <laughs> he has taught me to be more patient, and I have taught him to speed the heck up. You know, we've been open to each other's influence. So, no, that's a great question for people about spirituality. I mean, I know in the in this example of Stuck Stan that I wanted to talk about, he kind of his spiritual life went from being kind of um, uh, being having a lack of confidence um, to sort of more faith in himself, if you will, more more competence. Um, you know, he also. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about his life uh, growing up uh, in terms of his connection to church and faith and spirituality and all of that. Um, and he, you know, he talked about uh, his mental state went from being sort of prayerful, which is good, to confident and decisive, which is good. Um, his physical state went from being impotent to cocky. Don't you love it? And his emotional state went from being fearful to open-hearted to himself and his fiance, which is nice. So, so, so men, you know, I want to get back to some of the worry thoughts for a second. They worry about performance. You know, they worry, will I come too fast? Can I get it up? Can I keep it up? Uh, I don't want the light showing my stomach. I, I, that's a thing for older men sometimes. Um, men in general, again, am I pleasing her? Am I turning her on? Um Porn. Well, and, you know, and I know we talked about that with women a little bit with, you know, the body and how you view your own body and the pressures that society yeah. puts on women. But I think there's just as many pressures that society puts on men for what mm -hmm. they're supposed to look like. And, you know, the different ways that we talk about male bodies, I feel like yes. society yes. talks about them in a way that men are invincible almost. And, and that's not necessarily the case. And they they mm. talk about them as if they, oh, they're not going to care. They're a dude, but that's not real. And I think that's it's a great thing to highlight that men mm. might have those same body issues that women do. Well, mm. they have size issues sometimes. Um, yeah, you know, that too. It's not, yeah, yeah. I mean, am I normal? Am I mm. normal, Donna? And we'll talk about the normal average size, which is a lot smaller than we think. <laughs> um, you know, so, so that, that normalizes things for men. Um, but I wanted to get back to the idea of porn where, well, I think, uh, so there are unrealistic expectations that come from porn, meaning that if we look at it, it's fantasy, it's fake. We don't want to get that in our heads as reality. Um, and so I think that, you know, for, for men, oftentimes, um, I want to be, be talking about that with them, you know, you know, us sex therapists, I'm just going to tell you right now, we don't uh, talk about uh, addiction. We don't think of porn as, as being 
uh, we don't think about men as having sort of being sex addicts or addiction. We're really just looking at process and functioning. It's very normal. I mean, you know, 80 million or more people a day now uh, because of COVID are watching Pornhub.com. It, it's big business, right? Sex sells because pornography is easy, especially if you're self-touching or masturbating. You go in there, you look at it, bang, you're done. It's so much more complicated with a partner. So um, there's much more anxiety. And so I'll work with men around kind of their wizard brain versus their lizard brain, too, Um you know, the, again, the prefrontal cortex is the wizard part of the brain and the amygdala is the lizard part of the brain, you know. So if we can kind of get that uh, going a bit, I talk with men sometimes if they're having erectile issues uh, about using the stop-start technique, uh, which is training, well, it's training themselves to have more control over their erections and their orgasms, Um and I'll go through that process, talk, uh, not go through, but, I'll, you know, talk about that process, go through by, by walking through it and talking about what it means, uh, the stop-start technique. So, um, yeah, there's lots of lovely uh, parts to explore with people, again, to get them from, from that no to the yes. You know, so stuck Stan is kind of in that no mode. Um, and I, I want to get him into that, to, into that yes mode. Um, and sort of in the end, again, there's this idea, I think I said this last time that, you know, vulnerability can be the erotic thing. Um, so when we open up to our partners, when, you know, stuck Stan is in that car with his, his lovely partner there, um, you know, the talking is the thing that, that is so connecting for people really brings out more of this idea of wanting to be intimate. And and being closer to your partner. And again, even if it's just skin to skin contact and touching, um, that's making time for that is so important. You know, it's like growing anything. It's like investing in anything like a garden, like your plants, Vicky. You have to spend time with them. Right? So that's uh, kind of what we have today regarding Stuck Stan and the Low Desire Man. He can definitely become Higher Desire. And, um, yeah, I just want to remind everyone, uh, where they can find me and, and thank everyone for coming out again to our podcast today. Thank you, Vicki. Thank you. in in the back, Justin, um, you can find me on Facebook at the sex and couples therapist on Instagram at the happy ending therapist. You can call the office at 508-990-9909 and check out the website at www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. And again, remember folks, please always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. We'll see you next time.